You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I am your host, Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am really excited to be talking to Ashok Gupta about using your brain to heal from chronic health conditions. And Ashok Gupta, while suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome, began looking into neurological conditions and research and was able ultimately to heal himself. He then dedicated his life to developing the Gupta program, which is an online neuroplasticity recovery course that thousands of people have used to heal from diseases such as long-haul COVID, um, CFS, pain syndromes, and others. And I am really excited to be talking to him because I have... We have a number of uh, family members who have autoimmune conditions, including POTS and now long-haul COVID, and they frankly have exhausted what uh, Western medicine and even alternative medicine can do um, so far, as far as they know. So I'm really curious to learn about this. Um, Ashok, welcome to your superpowered mind. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Lovely to be here. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to go, we're going sort of in a different direction than I often do more into the physical, but, you know, as we, as you're going to very much also hopefully make clear to people, our body is very, very much um, related to our brain and the state that our brain is in, and we have more control over it than, than we think. Um you know, my first question, though, is what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? I would say overall in my life, the superpower I discovered was, wow, I can actually be happy with no external reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> I call that joy or bliss, uh, that with mastering the mind, generally, generally most of our motivations and actions are dedicated towards finding happiness, finding love, finding something external that makes us feel good. And actually just being able to master the mind and be in that sense of quietude and the joy and bliss that then comes from that space for me was incredible. That is truly an amazing um, superpower to uncover and one that we could all benefit from. And as a side note, I know you have um, developed a meaning of life app, which is, I suspect, geared towards um, helping people find that state. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. So we have a, a separate to the Gupta program, we have an app called the Meaning of Life Experiment. And that app is all about a 30 day journey to discovering more happiness, meaning, and your life purpose, and takes you through this whole journey almost like a spiritual journey of self-awareness. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's a separate app that we have. 
Great. And I would love, as I mentioned to you before we came on, I would love to have a whole episode where I talk to you about that. And because I know, I know that there are millions of people who could um, benefit from that. But today I am really wanting to talk and focus on this physical program. And maybe you could just really start by Mm -hmm. quickly telling people a little bit about your own, um, you know, your own struggles and how you ended up working in this area. Yes, of course. Like many of us, we've been through our own struggles and our own illness issues. So I actually suffered from ME and chronic fatigue syndrome while studying as an undergrad at Cambridge. So I was uh, burning the candles at both ends. So I was partying hard, but also studying very hard. And I went over to India and uh, got some kind of stomach bug. And I came back to the UK and the stomach bug went, but my symptoms got worse and worse and worse uh, to the point at which I could no longer study. I couldn't concentrate. I had no energy at all to do anything. In my worst days, I had to crawl to the bathroom and it really was like a brick wall in front of the young man. And that spurred my quest to say, right, I really want to understand what's causing my condition. And so I read a lot of brain neurology, physiology, and, uh, you know, I I kind of made a contract with the universe that if I can just get myself better, then I will dedicate the rest of my life to helping others uh, with this condition. And I managed to figure out what I felt was happening for me. I got myself 100% better and then set up a clinic to treat others. And um, ever since then, I've been running this global neuroplasticity clinic. Uh, We published medical papers in the area. And uh, yeah, we're supporting lots of patients now with um, ME and chronic fatigue syndrome, but also pain syndromes like fibromyalgia or unexplained pain right through to long COVID. So millions of people with long COVID right now. And uh, also autoimmune conditions and sensitivity conditions like mold illness and food or chemical sensitivity. So a whole broad spectrum of different illnesses we're treating using uh, neuroplasticity approaches. Which is, I would think, truly groundbreaking <laughs> for when I when you go to the traditional Western doctor, and I'm not slamming that my husband actually is a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it's very much, at least in my own experience, is looking very much for a physical cause mm-hmm. for your physical symptoms, and the brain. I mean, other than the fact that we're all, you know, our nervous system is part of it, doesn't even come into it. Mm. So so how generally, because I am not very um, sophisticated in the brain, um, and I'm assuming a lot of the listeners aren't, how can these chronic conditions be caused or contributed to by abnormalities in brain function? How does that work? Sure. So let me uh, describe the hypothesis, um, and that will really give everyone a good flavor of of what might be going on here. So the the first question that I like to ask is, why are we here? (laughs) The biggest kind of, what is the meaning of life, right? So that's the biggest question. And maybe we'll save the philosophical uh, discussion of that for our next podcast. But for this podcast, let's let's focus on the science. So why are we here? Well, you know, the traditional belief is that Uh, We're here because over millions of years of evolution, this body, this nervous system, this brain has evolved from plants, uh, single cell organisms, invertebrates, vertebrates, 
reptiles, mammals, human beings. Yeah. And along that journey, this body is a survival machine. It's designed to adapt to our environment, survive, reproduce, and make sure that we pass on our genes to the next generation. Okay. And the clue here is that the brain, which is the master organ for deciding so many different processes in the body, it says that survival is more important than well-being. Yeah, so that's our first little clue. And then what's happened is that over centuries, we've started living differently according to our genetic inheritance. So we now live in boxes, we're sedentary, we don't get as out as much as we used to, and we eat foods that have toxins in them and uh, lots of processed foods. And so our body is continually on the edge. It's what we call uh, experiencing pro-inflammatory bias. So the immune system's always just triggered slightly in the background. Yeah, so that's our second clue. And let's take the example of the COVID infection. Right? So the COVID infection comes along and our body may already be in a stressed or compromised state. And then suddenly uh, the brain realizes that COVID-19 is potentially life-threatening. And so it stimulates the nervous system and the immune system to fight off the COVID-19 infection. And for 80 to 90% of people, they fight off the infection, the immune system switches back off, and we get on with our lives. But in about 5 to 10% of cases, what we're seeing is that um, even though the COVID infection has been fought off, is left a legacy where the body is still triggering the immune system and the nervous system unnecessarily. Mm. And the reason it's doing this is because it errs on the side of caution. Yeah. And uh, just to put this in context, so then what happens is as a result of stimulating the immune system, nervous system, that creates in the symptoms in the body, which then loops back to our hypersensitive brain, which then triggers more immune reaction, coming back to a hypersensitive brain. And we go around in a circle, almost as if the brain and the body are playing a game of tennis um, against each other. Mm. And I know this is, can seem a little complex. So I'm going to kind of describe it with an analogy so Kristen, are you uh, are you a fan of game of thrones by any chance uh yes yes okay good Definitely. well even if our listeners aren't uh, this can be any uh, any fairy tale so imagine you are Qu queen Kristen, uh and you're head of the kingdom yeah like and it. you have an army and a navy so the army is your nervous system and the navy is your immune system and your kingdom has experienced a drought so the Kingdom's a bit weak. The castle's weak. The army and navy are a little weak as a result of the drought. Yeah. Now, suddenly, an invading army comes over the hill called COVID-19. And your army and navy, they are recruited. So they are firing off their weapons, their arrows, trying to fight off this invading army. And they just about manage to defend the castle and the kingdom. And they fight off the defending army. Sorry, the approaching army. So everything's good. But it's really left them traumatized and in a weakened state. And they come running to you, Queen Kristen, and the generals of the army and the Navy, they say, listen, Queen Kristen, we only just managed to fight off the invaders. That one was close. We nearly lost the kingdom. And we're pretty weak right now because of the drought. So we're gonna need all of the resources of the castle. We're gonna need all the wheat, the corn, the metal, everything has to be channeled to the army and Navy because if not, the kingdom will fall. So you think, okay, fine, that's the right thing to do. And so now the army and navy, your survival 
specialists, they are taking all the resources of the body, all the resources of the kingdom and castle. And now, even if they see a man on a horse just coming over the hill completely innocently, they fire off their arrows and their defense mechanisms just in case it is an invading army. But by doing so in this hypervigilant state, they continue to use all the energy and resources of the castle. And the weaker the castle gets, the more and more they keep firing off their defense mechanisms, keeping the body in this altered state. And in autoimmune conditions, not only that, they start firing the arrows into the kingdom itself, thinking there are invaders within the kingdom as well, which describes how autoimmune conditions start and how the body starts attacking itself. The army and navy start attacking the, its own kingdom through those processes. So that's how these different conditions, we believe, start in the body. Wow, that makes so much sense. Uh, and as you sort of you mentioned earlier, our bodies now in our current life are already on edge because there are things like molds and infections and food sensitivities and heavy metals and, yeah, and pollution all that around and pollution. us all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. I can see how this is. Okay. I completely forgot to take a break. Let me tell everybody we were going to take a break really quickly. You can find information about Ashok and this program at guptaprogram.com. I will put this in the show notes. You will definitely want to check it out. You can also head over to your superpowered mind and look at some of the programs and community we have going on there. And in the meantime, hang on, we'll be right back and talking more about how to use your brain to heal chronic health conditions. Hi, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. Are you ready to master your life? Are you looking for more calm and peace, connectedness in your relationships, more clear communication, guided thoughts? and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens, then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. Well, welcome back, everyone. I guess where I want to start, because it's that your analogy made perfect sense. So you basically, your nervous system is just completely on edge. So anything that happens in your body is seen as a threat. And so the immune system is just on full on alert as triggered, 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 fighting itself, fighting anything that comes along. How does your program start to deal with that? So our program, we call it a neuroplasticity brain retraining program. <laughs> and neuroplasticity is this idea that they used to think our brain was pretty fixed. So, uh, you know, what happened in childhood or our early teenage years, that fixed our brain in terms of our physiological processes, our emotional processes, and that we were same for the rest of our lives. And neuroplasticity is this idea that the brain is constantly rewiring and changing itself. And so when we go through an illness that then creates this legacy of either an autoimmune condition or a chronic condition or a chronic sensitivity, that that can be retrained and the brain can be taught that its responses that were relevant five years ago or 10 years ago are no longer relevant now. So it can switch off these responses and go back to 
homeostasis, essentially balance. And that's what we do in our retraining program. So we have um, 15 online video sessions and audios. So it's all delivered online with webinars and things. And it te we teach patients to recognize those danger signals from the unconscious that we're not normally aware of and to retrain and reprogram those danger signals so that the brain gets the message that we aren't in danger. And this is what then happens in these conditions. The system goes back to normal. And that's what brain retraining is in the Gupta program. That's pretty amazing. So how is it? Uh, I, I guess I want to just start with what parts of the brain are involved? What is there a specific part of the brain that's starting to go on high alert? You know, yes, the so there are two parts of the brain we've identified. One is called the amygdala and the other is called the insula. Now, the amygdala, there are two of them, and they sit behind our eyes in the brain. <clears throat> and their role is to protect us from danger. So our fight or flight response, our emotional responses, which are survival responses, uh, they get processed in the amygdala. And so we believe in that part of the brain, the nervous system, our emotional system, gets conditioned <coughs> to be on high alert and be, to be continually stimulated. Then we have another part of the brain called the insula, which isn't part of the limbic system per se. It's actually, it sits between the limbic system and the cortex. And the role of that part of the brain is to take in, in all incoming data from the body, to process it and create the appropriate immune or autonomic responses. And what's really interesting is that recent scientific research in Israel has proven that it is the insular part of the brain that stores our previous immune responses. Yeah. So the brain is efficient. It knows that, okay, if we experienced a pathogen or some kind of threat, that threat might come again in the future. So it stores that information in the insular part of the brain ready in case it's needed again. But what we now know is that sometimes that part of the brain gets stuck and keeps stimulating these immune responses unnecessarily. And that's what then causes so many chronic conditions that we see in the population. So then, so this makes sense. So it's all, it's in the brain, but some people, I mean, you're going to say, well, I'm still around mold and mold is not good for me. How, how does that work? You see, if mold was bad for everybody, right, then mm -hmm. everybody in the population would have a mold illness. Okay. Now, why is it that, and, and certainly don't get me wrong, we want to reduce our exposures to pollutants, to chemicals, to mold in general across the population. That's understood. Mm -hmm. But why is it that one person has a severe, severe reaction to mold and another person doesn't? Why is it, for instance, that one person has hay fever and reacts to pollen and another person doesn't? Or why do we react to foods and another person doesn't? We believe the reason for this is, are these overprotective responses in the brain that at one point in time, there may have been a heavy exposure to mold, which could have been seen as life-threatening. The brain makes a decision in that moment to respond. So it had, let's say, 100% exposure to mold, which created a 100% response in the brain, this allergic response. But then what happens is, because the brain has been primed to react, a mere 5% exposure to mold can create that 100% reaction. And that's what is mold illness, is when the brain 
has learned to over defend and over respond to otherwise um, neutral and meaningless stimuli, such as a very slight bit of mold in the, in the house. Because you see, mold is something when they've done tests is pretty ubiquitous. Like most homes at some point have had mold or have mold, but there are some people who become hypersensitive and that's not their fault. They're not making it up. It is a real sensitivity reaction, but we can train and program the brain to no longer over respond to those triggers. Ah, this makes so much sense uh, because, you know, if you read about mold illness, they talk about how you cannot even not be living in a really bad situation. It can be that you at some point in your life lived in a really moldy house and then you move to a new house and there's not as much, but you're still really getting sick. Yeah. Um, so and in neurology, this is called differential activation. A really, a really cool phrase. Differential activation. The, the geek in me loves that phrase. And it essentially means that the brain, because it's very efficient, it will learn to um, create responses uh, that can happen to very, very small amounts of its original trigger just to err on the side of caution and safety. Ah, and so this also, you know, a lot of people deal with, and we have this in my family too, gluten intolerance. Yes. Where, and they now say that if you, for some people, even being exposed to this teeny, tiny, tiny bit of gluten will set them off on an immunological response for six months, which is so interesting. Yes. And once again, it's not that it's not true. Yes, absolutely. Their brain is hypersensitive. But we then also inadvertently deepen the conditioning. Yes. Through the things that we read and the support groups that we become a part of. Yeah, which can worsen the sensitivity uh, reactions in the brain. We, we, we're essentially programming it to, to respond that way. Once again, this is real physical reactions. This is not made up, but there can be reinforcement of that. And uh, in general, gluten is something that the population, I believe, is slightly sensitive to gluten. And when we then have an oversensitive body, it becomes hypersensitive to uh, you know, to those small amounts of gluten. But even that, I believe, can be retrained uh, using our program. Yeah, that that's amazing. And one of the things I was going to bring up is that, you know, what I see and, and is that people often start to become identified mm-hmm. either as being this person or having this. It starts to become such a part of their identity and awareness. And of course it does. Because it, it, you know, it governs a lot of parts of their life, but that's sort of what happens. Yes. And the interesting thing is that the brain always checks with the conscious mind as to what is the appropriate response. And even our conscious thoughts and patterns can influence the unconscious training that occurs in the brain. And so we have to be very careful what we think or say etc. And to give you an idea of this, right, we might think, well, hang on, our immune system is beyond our control. Like We can't control our immune system. But as an example, Christine, if I said to you, right, I have a slice of lemon in my hand. Yeah. And I'm going to now place this slice of lemon on your tongue. 
right? But you're not going to bite into it. It's very, very sour, very tangy, this lemon. And it's just sitting on your tongue right now. And then you bite into that tangy lemon. Mm, and the saliva starts going around in your mouth. Mm, very, very, very tangy lemon. Yeah. Now, normally when I do that exercise, uh, it's been a bit longer doing it. People get saliva in, the, in your mouth. Christian, I don't know if you happen to get saliva in your mouth as a result of that. I think I just did. <laughs> exactly. Now, isn't that interesting, Kristen, that you consciously knew that that wasn't real? Mm-hmm. You also didn't expect it to happen. And yet I was able to create a physiological response in your body just through the power of imagination mm-hmm. and suggestion. Yeah. Yes. And that was filtered through your conscious mind that knew it wasn't even real. Yes. So can you imagine what actually happens to our immune system that we can also influence by the repetitive belief systems and uh, the programming of the unconscious brain that gluten is dangerous? Yeah. yeah. And, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please go ahead. No, I, the only thing I want to say is I want people to know who are listening, this is not a blame thing Mm-mm. at all. This is not, um, but it just starts to become when you're dealing with symptoms that are really, truly often debilitating. Yes. It's hard not to be aware of them and how they're impacting your life. And you go to do research and find out more and learn more. And your the beliefs can be fanned, and you know you need to be alert for gluten at all times in every place and everywhere, right? And if you touch it, it's going to really hurt you, right? Yes, absolutely. So you're right to reemphasize the point that it's not in the mind, but it is in the unconscious brain, and we're not normally in control of it. It's happening without our conscious awareness, but we've developed these tools where we're able to uh, train the brain out of these uh, responses and normalize uh, the brain. And yeah, so it's something which is a very new type of approach. And it's often because medicine focuses on what can be measured. And the brain was always this black box that we couldn't look into. But now we're opening up the brain. We're beginning to understand more about how it functions. And we're realizing that a lot of illnesses now are not hardware problems, which the traditional medical profession mm-hmm. is very good at treating, but they're software problems. There's something wrong with the software. Mm-hmm. And to train the software doesn't require drugs or surgery. In fact, drugs or surgery can just make the software worse. But it's brain retraining that can rewire the software to make the physical body function much better. Mm-hmm. And I, this is, it makes so much sense to me. And I want to um, really get into how does that work? But I first want to say, this is not like you then say, oh, gluten doesn't impact me. And you're going to go out there. And I mean, this is what I see because with, with a lot of the people I work with around stuff that's going on in their head and all of that sort of stuff, they say, well, I'm just going to tell myself now that I'm not going to be bothered by gluten. If there's a piece of you that doesn't believe that, your body, at least what I've seen, or your brain starts to rebel against it and says, oh, no, yes, it does, and almost has a, a backlash. That's what I've seen. So yes. I'm curious and, how and you get around that. 
Yeah, absolutely, Christine. So the point here is that we don't suddenly tell people, go and expose yourself to gluten. So mm -hmm. we say, you keep everything the same, you begin the retraining step by step slowly, training the brain, training the brain. And then you will know when you're ready to ex start experimenting with very slight amounts. Yep. And that's what people do. So we're healing people from food sensitivities. We've had people who've got down to three or four foods and that's all they can eat. And they're suddenly able to then open up their diet and eat anything that they want without any consequences. Uh, mold illness, we're getting people, you know, within months, they're able to no longer have mold reactions or reactions of chemicals around them. So these types of sensitivity reactions, it's not an overnight process. It's a step-by-step -step process. Um, and it's done very gently. So definitely, we don't encourage people to, to feel that it's not real in some way. It is a real sensitivity reaction. Uh, and it just requires space and time and belief that it can be overcome. Mm -hmm. So how does it work then that you're starting to retrain? What are we starting to retrain in the brain? Okay. So the brain has a defense mechanism, which is, see gluten or eat gluten this is dangerous for the body create the allergic responses and sensitivity responses to eliminate that from the body and also to warn you to not eat that thing again mm -hmm. yeah? and what we do there is the unconscious brain also checks with the prefrontal cortex part of the brain there's a safety valve just to make sure because the brain knows that you have more awareness than it has and when I say you, I mean your higher levels of consciousness. And in that moment, we have a seven-step process which teaches the brain that we're safe, that even in the presence of gluten, we are safe. This isn't a threat. And through that repetition, like learning to drive a car, through that repetition, the brain learns how to feel safe in the presence of that chemical or whatever it may be until eventually it switches off that defense response. Uh, just And then eventually it's like learning to drive a car. You don't have to think about it consciously anymore. Your brain knows how to drive a car and you could be daydreaming or talking on the phone or eating a sandwich and you still can automatically drive a car. And that's what's happening here. You're training the brain to feel safe in the presence of those old toxins and uh, be in balance in their presence. That's really interesting. And I guess sort of where I'm also going so much of the work that I do with people is around the energy that is stored in their bodies. You know, the, there's these subconscious triggers to fight, flight or freeze. And it sounds like this goes beyond that, because it's not just that the brain is on high alert, it's that it's on high alert to that specific substance. Yes. So there are generalized sensitivities and specific sensitivities. So mm -hmm. the purpose of uh, breathing and meditation and all the great stuff that we hear about mindfulness, that is calming the overall brain down in general. Mm -hmm. But what these neuroplasticity brain retraining techniques are, they're specifically identifying neurons in the brain that are hyperactive in response to triggers and calming those specific ones down. Mm. Yeah. Okay. How does it do that? So, well, and let me just sort of say, let me go back on uh, behind that question is, you know, you hear that 
when your body is in fight or flight, you're unable to digest food and get the nutrients. Or when you're uh, when you're in fight or flight, your body is unable to heal. So you're going beyond that. This is not just calming the body down so that it can do it. We're specifically going to those neurons. Yes, that's right. So when we trigger our stress response, a fight or flight response, digestion generally <laughs> shuts down because that's not seen as important when you're obviously in a threat mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so therefore our digestion can be compromised. It can cause some irritable bowel. It can cause, you know, diarrhea or constipation. But what we're talking about here is it's much, much deeper than that. Um, that these are reactions, which even if you were very calm and relaxed, you would still have these type of reactions. So somebody can still be on holiday, but still be sensitive to gluten. You see? Yes. So I'm going to add, because okay, I get you and you're here. Um, <laughs> so somebody in my family has POTS pretty severely to the point where like she's in a wheelchair some of the time um, and has done, you know, some pretty alternative POTS treatment and still has it. How does it work? And this is with her, you know, a lot, I really don't understand, but her blood pressure shuts down to the point where literally what's, do you know pot specifically yet? Can you talk about what's going on there just out of curiosity? Cause it seems it would be hard to retrain your brain in that. Um, well, interesting enough, we have lots of people who suffer from pots in addition to some of the other conditions that they have. And we have people using the program specifically for pots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that we believe that pots is as a result of autonomic dysfunction. Yet the autonomic nervous system, so that's either sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system, is not operating efficiently and has got stuck in uh, patterns, abnormal patterns that create uh, this abnormal response that on uh, standing, suddenly the heart rate increases, there's difficulties with blood pressure, etc. And the body is not able to maintain uh, the blood pressure and the flow to the heart and the brain. And that autonomic response uh, needs to be retrained and reset. And it, once again, may have been relevant at one point in someone's life to operate in that way, but then is no longer relevant now. And so through our different brain processes, we've had people who've been able to heal their pots and get things back to normal. And yes, we do have the first system, which is calm the overall system down. So that's calming down the overall brain through meditation and breathing techniques. But then secondly, recognizing those triggers that create the pops. Mm -hmm. And once again, um, training the brain to see those experiences as safe. Because what happens is like a panic attack almost. When we anticipate that there's going to be an issue, the brain in anticipation of that creates the appropriate response because it knows that it's coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what's got hardwired and trained into the brain that when we do stand, when we are doing something different, this is the response that will happen. There's, there's, uh, there's the anticipation of that. And the reason these become chronic illnesses is because the inputs and the output of the system get linked. So in this case, the input is uh, the feeling of the body not be being able to handle standing up. And the brain's response is exactly the response that creates the outcome. 
So they get locked in a vicious cycle. And, you know, in physics or in any type of chronic condition, there's always um, a feedback loop which creates these types of chronic conditions, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It makes so, so much sense. Um, can you know, I were at the end of our time. What is something that I haven't asked you that you that people um, really should know about this if there's anything? And where can they find you and learn more about this program? I'm assuming it's online now, not you don't have to travel to London um, or to uh... That's correct. Yeah, so it's all online. And I think the main thing is people may ask is, well, you know, what's the evidence behind this, right? Because there's mm-hmm. all kinds of uh, things on the internet, right, that purport to help people with these conditions. So the good news is we're very science-based. And so we've actually conducted uh, pilot studies on our treatments. And so, for instance, we published a study on ME and chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, this was an audit without a control group, but we found that two-thirds of patients reached an 80 to 100% recovery within one year. Yeah. Um, and then recently, we just did a study on fibromyalgia, and we found that within eight weeks, there's a 40% drop in fibromyalgia scores in the Gupta program group but zero impacts um, in the control group. And we've just done a study on long COVID and I can't, because it's pre-publication, I can't reveal the results, but let's just say some very promising results uh, with long COVID. And so that study will also uh, be published uh, soon. So we have, for us, the science is incredibly important. And so there is some initial promising results and and studies that show this could be a very effective way of treating uh, these types of conditions. And so if people want to find out more, they can come to our website, which is guptaprogram.com, which is G-U-P-T-A program.com. And there they can sign up for a 28-day free trial. Uh, There's no credit card required, so they can watch some of our videos, listen to some of our audios, see if it's right for them. And if they want to go ahead, they can purchase the program online and they'll get some materials in the post. And you can watch on your your phone, your laptop. And until we get the large-scale phase three trials, uh, we offer a one-year money-back guarantee on our program, which I don't believe anyone else in the world does. So we know people that don't have much money, so they can try our program. If it doesn't work, they can return it. No questions asked. uh, Get their money back and then use that money for, for something else. So we really encourage people to to give it a shot. That's really incredible. I am um thank I am so grateful to you for doing this work and um devoting your life to this now. Yes, thank and, you. It's, uh, yeah. it's been a real joy actually to and a, from it's been an intellectual joy of trying to understand these conditions but then also a real joy when we see patients healing and improving and getting their lives back when you know their lives had been destroyed by these types of conditions and to be able to then go back to leading a normal life there's nothing better than seeing you know the smiles on their faces when they're able to do that yeah that's that is truly incredible well thank you and um i appreciate you for doing the work i would love to talk to you at some point about the meaning of life experiment because that also sounds um really important (laughs) to put it mildly um listeners thank you for being here and showing up for yourselves and until next time go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world are you ready to discover your superpowers 
Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 